The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is the American Greed Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, the hunt for a high flying businessman playing a very dangerous game. He did have uh, a wild couple of years. T.R. Wright III presents himself as a globe trotting deal maker with style to burn. Being on fire, uh, there's, there's nothing like that. Frequently posing for photos with his sports cars, yachts, and jets. It was almost like made for Instagram. But something odd keeps happening to all his fancy toys. They tend to crash, sink, even blow right up. Everybody who watched this video thought that the individual was either dead or severely, severely burned. Are these accidents proof of plain old bad luck or a money-making scheme almost too wild to believe? To find out, American Greed tracks down the key players, the relentless investigator. And at that point, we start to realize this is a, a total scam. The co-conspirator. He didn't care about anybody or anything. And in a television exclusive from federal prison, the ringleader himself, who explains what it all adds up to. Insurance fraud. Inside a Texas prison, a once jet-setting criminal named T.R. Wright bides his time. He's never given a TV interview about the audacious scheme that landed him here. But in January 2021, he calls American Greed to make one thing clear. He's not a typical subject for the show. I really don't care about money. I mean, people, they want to perceive me to be this greedy, uh you know, money-grubbing, fraud-loving, screw-anybody-anywhere type of guy, and that's just, that's not the case. No. Wright says that with his scheme, another factor was at play. I mean, there's just a certain amount of thrill to it, I guess. I mean, I, I, maybe it's my personality, maybe I'm, I'm nuts, I don't know. More than six years earlier, 360 miles due east, someone else is making a phone call. Early on a September morning, it's a police dispatcher trying to raise a local detective. Hello. Dawn? Yes? I need a detective to go to the airport. What's up there? We got a burnt flame. Some burnt flame? Mm-hmm. Got burnt sometime during the night. Nobody knew about it. Hmm. When investigators head to the tiny municipal airport in Athens, Texas, they find a Cessna Citation jet that's been permanently grounded. Though its tail number, N18FM, is clearly visible, its door is charred and blown clear off. 
paint on its exterior has bubbled up from the heat. Its controls are all but gone. And what was once a luxurious cockpit with seven leather seats and a bar is now just a pile of ash. Before long, Agent James Reed from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives in Tyler, Texas, is on his way to investigate. I just graduated the ATF Academy, had been an ATF agent in the field for just a couple months, still technically on training status. I really had only worked a handful of cases, you know, very small cases um, at that time. After making the 45-minute drive, even this rookie can tell that something is amiss here in Athens, the black-eyed pea capital of the world. From day one, we know it's an arson. We're trying to really figure out at this point, is it, you know, what kind of arson it is? Because in typical arson, some of the more common things you see are, you know, young kids who are doing vandalism-type activities, or serial arsonists, people who just burn things to burn them down. As he begins his hunt for the responsible party, Reed quickly zeroes in on some very grainy surveillance footage taken the night N18FM was set ablaze. So we see N18FM parked on the jetway. An individual, cloaked in the darkness behind the plane, walks in front of the plane, comes over, opens the cabin door, shuts it for just a second, opens it up, and you see this tiny spark in one frame of the video then immediately a giant fireball that engulfs the individual. The individual then stumbles from the ground around the wing of the plane, looks like he's on fire, and heads off into the wooded area behind the plane. Everybody who watched this video thought that the individual was either dead or severely, severely burned. So we immediately started searching the area for a dead body in the woods, burn centers for someone who's severely burnt, or even morgues for an individual who came in with massive burn wounds. This early search for a dead or wounded arsonist turns up no leads, and Reed attempts to learn more about the mysterious jet. Five months earlier, the plane had been registered to a corporation in Montana called Plaisir en vol, French for pleasure in flight. A few weeks before its destruction, an out-of-town pilot dropped it off, saying its owners would soon be coming here from France to pick it up. Doesn't make any sense to me why, why individuals from France are going to fly to Athens, Texas to get this plane and not go to Dallas or Houston. Reed also learns the name of the pilot who left the jet in Athens, Theodore Robert Wright, known to many as T.R. Wright III. And when a local fire marshal talks to him on his satellite phone, Wright makes it clear that he only flew the jet to Athens. He says its owners are in France and that they are confused about what's happened to their aircraft. They heard that somebody got in the plane, uh, inside the plane, and like tried to start a fire, like a campfire or something. And it was unclear if it was vandalism or if it was uh, just, you know, like punks having, like, they, they have no idea what it was, so. Yeah, I mean, so 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 that's what we're investigating and everything, and I guess okay. it, it... And I understand if you can't tell me, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a pilot. Intent on learning more, Agent Reed continues to ask questions of the small crew of aviation aficionados who spend time at the Athens airfield. 
That search quickly brings him to the proprietor of Dyson Aviation. We typically ask people, hey, do you see anything suspicious? And usually, you know, the answer is no or, you know, something. And he looks and says, as a matter of fact, I have. Carol Dyson works at Athens Airfield, helping pilots who need to fuel up or take a break. He's as much a fixture there as the red oak that towers over his hangar. I'm out here almost every day except Sunday morning. I go to church on Sunday morning, but I'm out here Sunday evenings. And I keep track of the aircraft that come and go by writing their registration numbers down. With his eyes always open, Dyson noticed the Cessna citation when it first arrived. It just set. And that was kind of raised eyebrows, but then I thought, well, it's somebody hiding it out to keep from paying taxes. And that don't bother me. They, you know, if they want to do it, I, that's fine. And he noticed another plane around that time, too. I came in about 4.30 in the morning, and as I turned in here, my light swept the hangar over there, those two big yellow hangars, and I saw an airplane pulled up in front of that second one. And uh, that's unusual because it wasn't an airplane that's based here. And I thought then, uh-oh, something's up with those guys. Well, I thought then they might be in the dope business or something. I didn't know what they were doing. I just knew it wasn't right. Dyson jots down the tail number on the small Beechcraft Bonanza he spots, N273, and files it away like he always does. A few days later, he pulls up to the airport and spots smoke and the burnt jet. I, I started putting two and two together. And I was thinking, well, that, now I know why the guy was coming in here. They were, they were hired to burn that airplane up. When Agent Reed comes calling, Dyson tells him the story and gives him the tail number of the suspicious plane he spotted, N-273. Reed checks it out with a special agent from the Federal Aviation Administration. Um, he says the plane looks like it was sold uh, earlier in the year, but they just now sent the registration in, and it's to an individual named Raymond Fostick. Now Reed has the names of two pilots who seem to have a connection to the incident in Athens. There's Theodore T.R. Wright, the aviator who says he just dropped off the jet. Then there's Raymond Fosdick, the registered owner of the mysterious second plane. So I pull out my phone, um, having gotten the name Raymond Fosdick, and Googled Raymond Fosdick. Um, first, nothing really came up. Um, so then I Googled Raymond Fosdick, Theodore Wright, the individual who'd phoned the plane in. And lo and behold, the first thing that comes up is their Today Show interview. Back now at 835 with a remarkable survival story, a small plane catches fire, forcing the pilot to bring it down in the Gulf of Mexico. Their harrowing ordeal documented on an iPad. I believe we've been in the water for one hour now. No sign of the Coast Guard or any rescue emergency services yet. That was the realization that there's something more to this. And at that point, the investigation for me became, I need to uncover what is going on, who are these individuals, and what are they doing? Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. 
Follow your crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Two years before Agent James Reed connects them to a burnt-up Cessna citation, T.R. Wright and his friend Raymond Fosdick are in Wright's Beechcraft Baron cruising over the Gulf of Mexico. A licensed pilot himself, Fosdick tells American Greed they're tracking their progress on an iPad as they fly from Texas to Florida. If you follow that trajectory pretty much, it takes you just south of Louisiana, across the Gulf. Um, it's a flight that definitely the aircraft is capable of. Wright later tells investigators that less than two hours into the crossing, he sees smoke in the cockpit. Then, he says, Fosdick begins yelling that he sees flames. With no choice but to ditch in the water below, Wright says he points the plane's nose downward and begins to dive. As Wright tells American Greed, with two lives on the line, he remains calm. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, do the uh, the cross on your chest and, and say a prayer. I don't think that really is. It's like, okay, here's what I, I know that I'm, I'm going to do, and let's focus on executing it. Before he and Fosdick know it, the plane is almost in the Gulf. It didn't take long. There's not a lot of time between 11,000 feet and the water. I mean, we skipped that aircraft at 115 miles an hour when we hit the Gulf and stuck it like a lawn dart. The two men make it out of the plane before it sinks to the ocean floor. As they bob up and down in the water, Wright pulls out his iPad and films a quick video. We are hour one. Uh, we just had a plane crash in the Gulf of Mexico, and the iPad survived thanks to the life-proof case. There's Raymond. After the iPad is put away, the men float in the water for nearly three hours, waiting to be rescued. The water was relatively warm. It was probably in the mid-80s, but at that point in time, three hours had caused a significant drop. We were definitely in the edges of going into a pre-hypothermic state. Then with night quickly falling, they hear a Coast Guard helicopter approaching. And of course, we're waving and everything else. And they finally circle over the top of us. And I remember making the comment of, you know, don't crash, it sucks. In this Coast Guard video, you can see their rescue. And by the time they make it to shore, it's completely dark. After Wright's iPad video begins to spread, he and Fosdick, now in an arm sling, travel to New York to talk about their incredible ordeal on NBC's Today Show. You're flying along, you're over the Gulf, you start to see smoke and fire behind the instrument panel, right? Yes, uh, in the nose baggage area, basically we 
we're flying along, I'm eating a bag of M&Ms, uh, check in with Houston Center, and then we see a little bit of smoke, which typically is not, not a huge deal. Usually a radio will smoke a little, you throw the electrical power off, everything's fine. I made a quick radio call to Houston Center, told them we had a problem. Before I finished the radio call, we were just covered, wow. covered in smoke. The National Transportation Safety Board later determines the probable cause of the crash to be the in-flight fire described by Wright. They note, however, that the source of the fire could not be determined. There was no way they were ever going to recover the plane. Um, no, there was no other witnesses. It was in one of the deeper parts of the Gulf of Mexico. According to his indictment, less than two weeks later, a company Wright manages receives a check from his insurer for $84,000. This isn't the only payout. A year after the crash, at this courthouse in Galveston, Texas, Fosdick files a million-dollar lawsuit against his friend. Frank Cohn is a federal prosecutor. The allegation was basically that uh, the negligence on the part of uh, Mr. Wright had resulted in the, uh, in the crash and, and that Mr. Fosdick had sustained injuries uh, in the crash. And uh, there was a payout uh, to resolve the, the lawsuit uh, by the insurance carrier uh, for $100,000. Two years later, ATF agent James Reed learns about the incident and about Wright and Fosdick's potential connection to the fire in Athens. Here are these two individuals who together had been in this amazing story, this amazing story by itself, plane crash in the Gulf of Mexico, who are now connected to Athens, Texas with this plane fire. Something seemed wrong. And I remember asking my boss, hey, can I work this case? And he looked at me and says, hey, if you want to work this on your free time, by all means, work it. And that's what I did. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Before he begins calling himself T.R. Wright III, Ted Wright I grows up in Port Kent, New York. Well, it's a small town uh, on the shores of Lake Champlain. For, I don't know the population, but it can be more than a couple hundred. But it's gray, it's depressing, it's always overcast, and the people there, they've never left the area. So as early as I can remember, it was like, as soon as I could get out of here, that's the plan. Wright's first shot at implementing this plan comes as a kid when he begins working at a mall kiosk 
showing off his natural skills as a salesman. It seems I have a, a gift to convince people to, to do things. And I guess maybe all salesmen have that. Uh, I don't particularly like sales, but I'm good at it. In addition to honing his skills as a salesman, Wright says working at the mall teaches him another valuable lesson. You have brands, and whether it's Coca-Cola or Apple or yourself, being able to, to market a brand and make it successful, I mean, you people are brands. So I think that was a, an early lesson. Building the TR Wright brand takes time and money. In his mid-twenties, Wright says he moves to Kima, Texas for a girl. It's here on these dusty docks that Raymond Fosdick says he meets Wright in 2008. When they meet, Fosdick says Wright is trying to get by however he can. At that time, the business that he was kind of starting and growing was finding boats that had been tore up in the storms and he could fix them up, and then he would sell them. Wright says that early on, he finds great satisfaction in being a wheeler dealer. Uh, I like negotiating. So I think it's the deal that I, that I really like. I guess that's what gets me excited. Soon, Wright will find another commodity to deal in. Around the time he meets Fosdick, he heads a few miles down the coast to Galveston where he learns to fly. One of the airport regulars who he meets is George Gould. He was a novice pilot. He took flying lessons from uh, one of the fellows that has got a plane uh, two hangers down from me. And he, he, he picked it up pretty fast. Before long, Wright is flying on his own. And he adds aircraft to the high-dollar inventory he slings. His business is buying airplanes, boats, and cars at the lowest price he possibly can, fix them up with the minimal cost that he can, and then sell them at a maximized profit. A few years after his arrival in Texas, Wright makes the news with his spectacular crash in the Gulf. The incident does more than just earn him a sizable insurance payday. It also seems to give him a taste for the spotlight. Katie Vine is a staff writer with Texas Monthly. He wants, I think, to be seen as a big player who can fly anything, which is, I, I've heard is true, who doesn't pay attention strictly to crossing the T's and dotting the I's, who um, has a romantic life. After his appearance on the Today Show, Wright begins to make some big changes. In 2013, he launches a new website, trwright.com. On it, the guy who just a few years earlier was running a mall kiosk says he has built several businesses from the ground up into multi-million dollar companies. And in the years that follow, people begin to believe that Wright is the playboy he says he is. The rumor was he was uh, a trust fund. You know, he'd show up in a Maserati. He had some uh, very attractive 
young ladies, had a good sense of humor, and he was a likable, likable guy. As his legend grows, Wright learns to fly more and bigger aircraft. Online, he brags about flying around Europe and visiting France, where he begins to do business. And after the jet fire in Athens, Texas in 2014, Wright says his life really takes off. I don't want to say they couldn't be better, but 2015, 16, and 17, I mean, I was where things were just starting to work out. And, you know, the business is great, making, you know, literally more money than you know what to do with. Mont Blanc would call me when they got a new pen in. Oh, Mr. Wright, we have the new, you know, JFK pen is $38,000. We wanted to offer it to you before anybody else. Okay, I'll take it. You know, I mean... Always focusing on his personal brand, it's on his Instagram feed that Wright really shines. All the Instagram photos were of this individual with fancy cars, guns, high-end clothes, high-end vehicles, yachts, jets, traveling all over the world. With his 18,000 followers, the Daily Mail ranks Wright among the most popular pilots in the world. It's obvious that he knows how to craft his image. Over the course of a few days, he crisscrosses the country snapping photos with his new wife. Together, they make stops in Telluride, Colorado, and California's Napa Valley wine region. So I go to Napa like every week when I'm in the United States. If I spend a month in the U.S., we maybe do three trips to Napa. So, I mean, I've been there hundreds of times. And in the desert outside Las Vegas, he gets the perfect shot. As Wright pilots a helicopter, his wife points an assault rifle out the window. Wright's Instagram is also full of images of him with a variety of weapons and warbirds, reflecting a new line of business he's trying to develop. Wearing a flight suit embroidered with the word boss, Wright sometimes cuts through the sky in a gray Eastern Bloc trainer jet that he and a partner buy and dub 52 Shades of Gray. He did have, I think, a lot of adventures. He did have uh, a wild couple of years, much wilder than most people have in a lifetime. Nathaniel Kummerfeld is a federal prosecutor. I think he wanted to project a sort of international man of mystery, James Bond, Mission Impossible type character. Um, it was almost a caricature of that, though. Uh, you know, it, it met all the stereotypes, but it was almost too much. It was almost like made for Instagram. But just how is Wright paying for it all? Is it through the wheeling and dealing he's been doing for years? Or is something else at play? Having linked T.R. Wright to not one, but two ruined planes, Agent James Reed suspects something's afoot. To prove it, he dives deep into financial records, beginning with the Gulf of Mexico crash in 2012. The first hint that something is amiss comes when he examines the flow of money from the lawsuit Raymond Fosdick filed against Wright following that suspicious incident. As we get the financial records, we see that, yes, Raymond Fostick did sue T.R. Wright and his insurance company for a million dollars, but all the money that the insurance company paid out as the case was settled went to T.R. Wright. Raymond sues T.R., gets paid out, and then gives the money back to T.R. And at that point, we start to realize 
This is a, a total scam. From there, Reed will eventually uncover a far-reaching insurance fraud scheme. He learns that Wright is purchasing planes, boats, and cars using a variety of shell companies. Wright says these help him hide the fact that he's the true owner. I was the guy behind the curtain pulling the handles, sure, but uh, you know my name legally wasn't on any documents. I wasn't even a signer on any of the bank accounts for any of this stuff. With his name hidden, Wright explains he can buy an item at a low price with one company he controls. Then, he can create documents making it appear he sold it at a much higher price to another company he controls. These papers help him obtain insurance policies at pumped-up values. It's a paper trail that if the insurance company or anyone does any um, due diligence, they see an official notarized stamp sealed bill of sale from an aircraft escrow and a trust uh, and a lawyer that shows, oh no, they paid this much for us. So it takes a red flag out of the equation, I guess. As Agent Reed sees, it's a scam Wright pulls off again and again. In 2012, there's the plane he ditches in the Gulf. According to Wright's indictment, it was purchased for $46,000 and insured for nearly double that. Combined with the fraudulent lawsuit Fosdick files, the crash brings Wright nearly $126,000 in insurance money. But Wright is just getting started. In 2014, he buys the jet that burns in Athens for $190,000, insures it for $440,000, and collects that amount after it's set ablaze. Reed also learns about Wright's connection to a $76,000 Lamborghini Gallardo that was crashed into a water-filled ditch a few months before the Athens fire. Though Wright maintains this wasn't fraud, the insurance payout in this case equals nearly $170,000. Then there's a $50,000 sailboat whose value is pumped up before it sunk in a marina in Hawaii in 2014, bringing a $180,000 insurance payout. A court later finds that in all, Wright pockets nearly a million dollars via his insurance scheme. But he tells American Greed the scope of his fraud was much, much larger. Yeah, it depends on how you do the math, but if you had to go on complete losses, let's say somewhere around 30 to $40 million. Prosecutors say the evidence they have does not support this claim. To help him with all these scams, Wright brings in a bevy of helpers. They were doing the dirty work, and they were the ones who were putting themselves at risk for small amounts of money. Um, I think there was always a promise or the, or the idea that there would be a larger payoff down the road. In selling this dream of future riches, prosecutors say Wright lures in helpers with the pictures of his luxurious lifestyle. It made uh, the sales pitch that he was giving to them maybe a little bit more believable um, because he would tell these uh, seemingly fantastic stories uh, about different adventures uh, you know, here and abroad and uh, then he could show them pictures online or uh, postings uh, that, seemed to, that seemed to support, support that, uh, that story. Among those he brings in is Raymond Fosdick. 
Even to this day, I don't really have friends. And I wanted a friend to be, you know, I wanted a friend, basically. And wanted to be, you know, part of something. And that was easy for him to kind of prey upon. He didn't care about anybody or anything. It was all about money in his pocket. Though many play a role, Agent Reed says financial records make it obvious who's running the show. We followed the money. And so we saw that the money would go to these holding companies, and then it would go right to T.R. Wright's personal bank account, or right to, an a right to the purchase of an asset that T.R. Wright did actually own. By 2016, circumstantial evidence is mounting against Wright. To make their case, however, the feds need a witness. That April, Agent Reed flies to Hawaii to talk to the man who helped Wright with the scheme there involving a sunken sailboat. I confront him head on with the evidence, and he immediately gives it up. That's that first time that we really have him 100% not only circumstantial, but hard evidence on an insurance fraud scheme. Still, Reed and prosecutors aren't done. They need more. In March 2017, he serves a search warrant on Raymond Fosdick and leans on him to give up what he knows about the 2012 Gulf crash and the 2014 Athens airport fire. Raymond made the right decision and he laid it all out. And from Raymond's cooperation, we we're able to wrap up the entire case. After his rescue in the Gulf of Mexico, T.R. Wright claims he had to ditch his plane because of a fire. Now, from behind bars, he admits that's not the case. I mean, there was no fire in that plane, right? No. I can't say that I regret doing it, but I regret the way that I did it. If I could do it again, I would have been alone. I mean, if you commit a crime with someone who you can't trust, who ends up being a rat, that's a, a problem. The person Wright is talking about is his old friend, Raymond Fosdick, who begins talking to the feds in early 2017. Now, Fosdick tells American Greed about the moment he says he learned about Wright's plan while already in the air. He basically turns to me and starts laying out his plans. And he basically said that we're going to ditch in the Gulf of Mexico. Should be more than enough time for rescue services to get there. Once he sets his mind to it, I know that it's pretty much going to go down. It's quite the unexpected ending for what Fosdick says he thought would be an ordinary flight to Florida. That's a pretty traumatic event. Whether it was on purpose or not or anything, it's still a very traumatic event in life. Though Fosdick says he's certain Wright ditched his aging plane on purpose, his friend never tells him why, but he has his own opinion. It was time for those engines to be rebuilt and the annual to come up on it, and he didn't have the money to do all of that. So the plane was actually worth more on the bottom of the ocean than it was flying in the air. Fosdick also admits that the million-dollar lawsuit he filed against Wright was little more than a setup. And he's like, sue me, you know, that'll be easy money. Well, it turned out to be for him. We got $100,000, and 42 of it went to Ted, 
I ended up with $8,000 of it, and the rest went to the attorney. While he speaks freely to American Greed about the crash in the Gulf, Fosdick clams up when asked about the arson in Athens, Texas. That's an area that I'm not going to really talk about much. But prosecutors say he told them exactly what happened. Mr. Fosdick blew it up. There was gasoline placed inside of the plane, and then, and then it was ignited. He sustained injuries um, in, in connection with the, with the arson. Looking back, I'm sure he probably realizes I've risked my life for some pretty stupid things. Having secured Fosdick's cooperation, a Texas grand jury returned an indictment against Wright and others in May 2017, charging them at first with wire fraud conspiracy, wire fraud, and arson. But there's a problem. Nathaniel Comerfeld. Typically, it's, it's relatively easy to find an indicted defendant and execute an arrest warrant. In this case, executing an arrest warrant was not quite so easy. It wasn't your typical individual who has a, a steady residence that drives the same vehicle, that uses the same phone, that travels commercially. Um, so we had to take a lot of steps to, to identify where he was. Since beginning his insurance fraud scheme, the kid from a small lakeside village has become ever more international. He lives in hotels, including Trump International in Las Vegas, and at times on his 110-foot yacht, which is called Never Enough. And by 2017, authorities say T.R. Wright is no longer just portraying a player on Instagram. The feds say his insurance fraud has helped him to become one. There's the, the saying that perception becomes reality. And he simply created the image that he was this millionaire with fancy jets. And people believed it. And it became reality for him. The, obviously, the insurance schemes paid off and helped acquire the assets. But to his credit, he became this individual. Wright goes from flipping planes in Texas and posing as a James Bond wannabe to actually importing French attack helicopters into the U.S. Really, more than anything, I was, I was a deliverer. So when you become known as a guy who is reliable, you know, you, you can really do well in that business. And I'm creative. I'm creative, I'm resourceful. You know, where people say, oh, that's not possible, I, I make it happen. Agent Reed will later testify that Wright also attempts to buy 24 Israeli trainer jets to sell to the African nation of Guinea. And according to testimony given in a French court, Wright receives $18,000 for smuggling Glocks to his associates in France. Wright admits to flying these handguns to France, but denies one part of the story. Come on, $18,000. That wouldn't even cover the fuel for my jet to fly them over there. Three years after opening his investigation, Agent James Reed develops information that T.R. Wright may be at the Trump International Hotel in Sin City. Upon his arrival there on June 27th, Reed is preparing to question hotel staff. When the elevator door opens onto the lobby and Wright emerges, with a briefcase in hand. About that time, he walks out of the elevators, carrying his briefcase right by me, 
And I look at him and I say, that's him. I follow him out the doors. And as he's going to the valet to pick up his car, I say, TR. He turns around and I say, you're under arrest. And at that time, the Marshals Task Force jumped out and arrested him. After the Marshals place right in cuffs, Agent Reed takes a look at what he was carrying. It was pretty surreal kind of opening that briefcase and seeing here's this cliche of this guy who's presenting himself as a James Bond-like character walking out of the Trump Tower Las Vegas, carrying a briefcase with $70,000 in cash, two pistols, a car title, and a burn phone. I don't know how to describe it except that it was TR. Even as he's escorted out, Wright says he yells to the hotel's concierge and has no idea what kind of trouble he's in. I said, well, hey, Jimmy, I'll be back tomorrow. And the federal agents and U.S. Marshals, oh, you're never going to see him again. And there was never any point where I thought, oh, my God, I could get five years. I could be in prison. Now, that's exactly what's happened. In December 2017, Wright pleads guilty to wire fraud conspiracy and arson conspiracy. The next year, he's sentenced to five years and five months in federal prison. His old friend, Raymond Fosdick, pleads guilty to the same charges and receives three years and three months in prison. He's released in 2020. Now, Wright is locked up at a federal prison in Texas, and his wife, who was never charged with anything, has left him. All alone, he says he has no regrets, except one. The last decade of my life before I was arrested, I never spent more than a week, 10 days, two weeks at the most in one place. I guess being stuck is a big problem for me. His cell is not far from a landing strip like the one in Athens where he and his co-conspirators thought they could burn up a jet and get away with it. To this day, eagle-eyed old-timer Carol Dyson thinks he knows why Wright chose Athens. Most everybody thinks we're a bunch of ignorant rednecks and they're right. Uh, <laughs> but it's desolate, there's nobody here, there's nothing on the ramp, and it was an out-of-the-way place. But there was one thing Wright didn't count on. A young ATF agent showing up and taking the time to piece it all together. Had they chose any other airport in Texas, they probably would have got away with this. In May 2021, T.R. Wright was released from prison. And just eight days later, he sent American Greed a photo of himself back in the pilot seat. Thanks for listening to the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.